Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. show. I hope everyone's doing well. For those of you joining us in real time, this will sound very familiar. For those of you uh, listening in from the future, uh, just a little context. Early March 2020, we have the top stories being the coronavirus and the Democratic primaries. Uh, Coronavirus is the top news story. It keeps spreading and people are starting to panic just a little bit. Uh, Stores are selling out of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, paper towels, stuff like that. And it's it's just really becoming a thing. Uh, In terms of the Democratic primaries, they're heating up. Candidates are dropping out left and right. Uh, At this point, we are down to Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. So, a little context there for you. But let's dive into our moment of transparency for this week. So I thought I'd chat about something that uh, nobody has brought up yet. Um, So I figured maybe if I address it now, I'll just get it out of the way. So the question would be, uh, in episode two, when you told your story, why did you say next to nothing about your family? Ouch. It's kind of like, you know, that Oscar winner who gets up and has a beautiful speech prepared, and then they forget to thank their spouse at the very end. Um, but here's my spin on it. So, so when I put the episode together, uh, back then I was really focusing on the individual part of my story, things like the upbringing, the struggle with creativity, spirituality, that, that whole element of the journey. So, uh, I thought through all of that from the standpoint of the listener, trying to decide, you know, what information would be helpful for them to understand me a little bit better. Um, as it pertained to the podcast and the things that I was going to be talking about on the podcast. So that's where my brain was at. Um, I'm also a little protective of my family, so I wanted to be careful not to put them out there publicly without their consent. So, you know, it's one thing for me to start something like this and and try to be transparent and all of that, but it's a whole other thing to force my family to come along for the ride. So... You know, there's uh, the example of the pastor who gets up on the weekend and and preaches and in the middle of the sermon, you know, tells some really incriminating story about their child who's sitting in the front row. Um, Definitely don't want to be that guy. So I want to be careful about that. Um, And I'm also new at this and I'm really not sure what the best practices are for sharing personal information about your family on a podcast. So so those are all things that were going through my brain probably as I... um, recorded that second episode. But after thinking it through, I, I feel like it's worth the risk uh, to at least give you a snapshot. So um, it is really important for you to understand, you know, the level of importance that family plays, not only in my life, but just how I how important I feel it is in society in general. So, um, so how important is family to me? Well, if, if I go back to high school, uh, I think it was, yeah, probably even junior year of high school, I, I literally had my life planned out in my head. 
um, I couldn't wait to skip over all the, the hard parts, all the foundational parts, you know, and just get right to the life where you've got a wife and a kid and a kid or two, uh, you have a home, you have a car, you know, I just, that perfect little, uh, picture of what it means to be, uh, a family living in the United States. I just had it all planned out in my head. Um, so it didn't happen that fast. Um, obviously, uh, as I kind of explain my story, you'll see that it, it didn't just happen right out of high school or even right out of college. Um, but in the end, that is a good thing. Um, so while it didn't happen as fast as I had it designed in my head, it eventually came true. Um, and it was as good, if not better, uh, than what I had dreamed it could be. So I can't imagine life without them. So here's a little bit about each Um I met my wife, Tammy, back in 1996. We were both working, oddly enough, as case managers in a, a community mental health hospital. And it was one of those things, for me, I was just immediately drawn to her. Um, I don't think the same was true for her, but that's a different story. Um, so literally, like within the first week working there, um, I was definitely interested. We started hanging out eventually, dated for a little while. Um, and then I got up the nerve to ask her to marry me. And luckily she said yes. And in June of 1999, uh, we were married and in starting our life together, we were both social workers working in the similar field, but there was always something about the field for Tammy. It was just much more than a career for her. Uh, from an early age, I think she knew what she wanted to do. She had this desire to help people, to help kids, um, mainly kids, to, to protect, protect them and build into them. Uh, she had firsthand experience, you know, just how kids can fall through the cracks at times, um, typically due to adults behaving badly. So throughout her life, uh, she's worked with kids and really continue to ramp up her efforts in this area. Uh, she currently works with a foster population here in Southern California. Um, as a family, we're involved in a program called Safe Families. Uh, it's a, a program where you host kids when uh, things happen, unfortunate family circumstances happen, and, and uh, the parent or parents know that um, if they just had somebody uh, take care of their kids for a little bit, they could pull some things together, work some things out, and uh, keep their family together. So we've been doing that for a while. Um, we're also working toward becoming licensed uh, foster parents. Um, so yeah, she's the most amazing person that I've ever met. And um, it's been a great run, and I can't believe I get to do life with her. So as time went on, uh, the young one started to show up on our doorstep. Uh, the stork, you know, started to drop them off. And uh, so we've got three kids. Our first, Allie, is um, you know, away at college, uh, a couple hours from home. Um, Allie grew up knee-deep in the soccer world. Um, it was a huge piece of her life. And she made sure to try just about everything else life had to offer as well. Uh, she got involved in so many things. Uh, and eventually in high school, uh, moved away from soccer uh, in order to pursue some of those other things that she knew really mattered to her. So she's passionate about the environment, sustainability, uh, international studies, things like that. Uh, she's got a great heart for 
the environment for marine life um, and helping people in third world countries. Um, I can't imagine the impact she's going to have on the world in the future. Uh, it's just been great watching her uh, grow up and kind of come into her own. So that's Allie. Uh, Rachel is the middle child and uh, similar to Allie, we put her in soccer, um, but we quickly realized that that wasn't going to be her life. Uh, instead, she moved toward drama, dance, theater, music, all of those field, things in the field. And uh, over the years, she's become a, a really big person in the, in the world of musical theater. Uh, she's loving it. She's driving after it with all she has. Um, just a natural um, it's so much fun to watch her in her element. Um, it's interesting to watch her pursue it with just a, a focus and a determination that, you know, that you see when a person plays a sport. It's, it's, it's really cool to see. Uh, she's a natural. Uh, she's a senior in high school right now and uh, applying to musical theater programs around the country. Um, she's got a great and diverse friend group. Uh, it's just cool to see them hang out and learn from each other, talk through their differences, embrace differences, um, just model, you know, how cross-cultural friendships work. So she's a force to be reckoned with for sure. And finally, uh, we've got Tyler, freshman in high school, um, grew up playing every sport known to man. Uh, and for, Many years was involved in two to three at a time. Uh, one year, I remember he was playing travel hockey, travel soccer, and travel baseball. Uh, probably one of the craziest uh, years of our life trying to juggle all three of those. And we knew it wasn't a good thing, um, but it just just kind of worked out that way um, because of the teams he was on and, and some of the teams deciding to move into the travel world versus staying at a lower level. So... Um, needless to say, it didn't last long. Uh, it's both a time burden and a financial burden. For those of you who are involved in travel sports, you'll understand. So it's very hard to be in three places at the same time as well. So at the current time, uh, Tyler's playing high school football. Um, he plays goalie for the uh, high school hockey team. And then he plays volleyball as well, just kind of as a fun side sport uh, that he does at school. So it's been fun watching him go through the, kind of the transitions uh, from sport to sport and, and watching him progress in each one. So that's been awesome. Um, and then at one point, uh, Tammy and Tyler both went on a faith adventure to Uganda, uh, got to go and work with the people there uh, through the church we attend. And um, it was really cool to see the two of them uh, kind of bond over that experience and uh, and to see him wrestle with the idea that the world isn't like the world we live in. Uh, it's definitely helped him expand his heart, which was already big in the first place, but uh, to see his heart expand for people, uh, people that aren't like him, um, things like that. And then, you know, just to watch him stick up for people around him, uh, because of that experience, uh, it's been really cool to see. So uh, this trip just took him to a whole new level when it comes to that that stuff and grew him up uh, a great deal. So there's a lot I love about Tyler, um, and I can't wait to see um, how he uses these these new gifts that he's been given to help others in the future. So 
So I think that's it. I think that's a, a kind of a good overview of my family, and I appreciate you allowing me to uh, talk about them for a few minutes. Um, so now people can't uh, comment and email in and say, hey, you know, what, what's your problem, man? You didn't talk about your family in episode two. So there you go. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit and head into today's topic. Uh, the title, This Worldly We Live In, obviously a play on words there, um, as we kind of dive into this concept of worldliness. Uh, what exactly does that mean, and how does it tie into things like happiness? Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about happiness in the last episode, and we'll kind of touch on that again in, in this concept of the happiness trap. Um, so if we break things into sections, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the word worldly and what it means. Uh, we'll dive into this concept of being in the world, but not of it. Uh, we'll talk about the happiness trap, and then we'll wrap things up with um, how we can transcend human uh, while we live in the world. So, so number one, what does worldly mean? If we start with just kind of a basic definition from lexico.com, there's kind of two pieces to it. The first definition is kind of more when you're talking about a person, a uh, person is said to be worldly when they are experienced and or sophisticated. So if I were to use that in a sentence, um, Joseph was much more worldly than Nora. So I'm just kind of describing a person. And then the second one is, is um, the concept of being concerned with material values or ordinary life rather than spiritual existence. So if I were to use that in a sentence, it would be something like, um, but another part of me says that you can't split the spiritual and the worldly quite so easily. Uh, so it's more dealing with actual things in life that can be said to be um, worldly or um, kind of a person's focus, right? So your focus can be either worldly or spiritual. So I looked up some synonyms and there were a ton you know, words like earthly, terrestrial, temporal, mundane, mortal, human, non-spiritual, materialistic, uh, words like that. But uh, two that really stood out to me. Um, the first is just the concept of being unspiritual. It kind of suggests that worldly and spiritual are mutually exclusive things, right? That you're either one or the other. And then the other word I saw in there was base, which is funny. Um, I, I hear my kids refer to things as basic, like whenever they're, they're like laughing about something they're like, Oh my gosh, that's so basic. Uh, you know, and, and to them, it means there's nothing special about that thing. Um, there's nothing, it's nothing more than the bare minimum. And that's interesting to me because that's kind of what worldly means to me. It's like the, the base thing that you can do in any situation. It's basic thinking, basic behaving. Um, it's, it's to be human rather than trying to transcend human. Basically just giving in to whatever the first and the most simple response or thing to do is in any situation. So, but that's just a definition. Uh, let's get a little more practical about what worldly is. So, uh, we all know that the minute you add spirituality into your life, uh, you immediately subject yourself to rules and restrictions, right? So here's just a few examples. Uh, Christianity, um, you have concepts like love your neighbor as yourself. Ouch. You know, it's a 
sounds very simple, but when you really think about it, um, if you loved everyone else the way that you love yourself, um, imagine how much work that would be and how, uh, how many good decisions you would have to make in your life, um, in order to do that. Uh, Islam, um, you know, you have the concept of praying five, five times a day facing Mecca, um, all things that you, you know, things that you have to do to be a good person. In Judaism, there are over 613 rules and commandments uh, that they hold to be important. Confucianism, you know, they've got the four virtues, loyalty, piety, contingency, and righteousness. And then Taoism, you know, the 10 precepts, things like do not kill, do not think, deprave thoughts, do not steal, uh, or receive unrighteous wealth, refrain from revenge, uh, things of those nature. So, so obviously, you know, every spiritual uh, platform comes with a, a, a list of rules and restrictions, right? There's a, there's a behavioral code, if you will, that comes along with being spiritual. So if, if being spiritual is subjecting yourself to uh, some level of, of oversight or, you know, rules and regulations, then being worldly, if it's the opposite, must be releasing yourself from that, right? Or attempting to live only for yourself. So whatever you decide is right for you is what you do. Now, this is getting really close to the concept of humanism or secular humanism, uh, but let's not head down that road yet. Uh, I'll probably end up doing an entire episode on that in the future. But we can still talk about being worldly and kind of what that looks like. So uh, the way I look at the word basically defines itself. I mean, you know, the word isn't selfish or self-centered or narcissistic, suggesting that you're not spiritual because you're only thinking about yourself. The word is worldly, which has the word world in it. So at its core, being worldly is is simply avoiding spiritual things in order to live the way the world tells you to live. Now we could go down a serious rabbit hole here and get into a debate <clears throat> about whether or not worldliness exists the same way everywhere. For example, you know, does worldliness in the U.S. look the same as it does in a traditional Muslim community in Afghanistan? Um, you know, these two cultures appear to be on complete opposites of what it means to be worldly. Um, and I would agree. Uh, I guess my response to the debate would be this. Uh, there, even though there's a huge discrepancy in the way worldliness is played out in each place, uh, it, I believe it still exists in both, and that people living in each of those communities or environments uh, will basically engage in worldliness uh, to the level that it's presented to them. So that might look very different, but at the same time, the same uh, temptation, if you will, is there to live that way. It's just at a different level. So in order to keep from getting sidetracked and, and um, distracted by all of those things, let's just focus on uh, what it means in the United States when it comes to worldliness. So, so how does worldliness manifest itself here in our country? Uh, living as close as we do to L.A., uh, we do have a front row seat to, you know, some of the things that the world really values. So I kind of put together a list just based on things I've seen uh, living here in California. And the first is intelligence. So academics are almost a travel sport these days, at least in this part of the world. Uh, you know, kids are working their butts off to get 
GPAs that are higher than 4.0. You know, it's not uncommon to see 4.2, 3, 4.4, 4.5. Um, just crazy. Um, all in order to get into the best university. Or you have, you know, parents paying to get their kids into school. But that's a whole other thing. We won't go there. Um, next, you have the concept of wealth or accumulation of things. Um, this whole concept that... Um, you know, there is no such thing as enough. Like you just need more, 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 keep buying more stuff and, and make sure that your stuff is better than what other people have. Uh, next is beauty. You know, aging is the enemy, obviously everything from, you know, overly emphasizing your, uh, your exercise to uh, beauty treatments to plastic surgery, you name it, just this concept that beauty is the goal. Um, next you have the concept of power or control, you know, work your way to the top and stay there. Survival of the fittest. Um, you've got, uh, prestige and influence, you know, this concept of being seen, being noticed, um, constantly trying to up the ante in order to stay, uh, in the news and to stay, you know, just to stay popular. Um, you've got this concept of me as the center, um, our culture is very me-centric. Everything needs to revolve around us. We want what we want when we want it. Um, you know, everything is an immediate thing. Tomorrow is not fast enough. You know, when it comes to have uh, buying things online, it's like, hey, can we get drones to drop our stuff off at our front door like within an hour? Um, you know, everything is just tightening up in terms of when and how fast we get it. Uh, entertainment, obviously everything... Everything in the entertainment world seems to be pushing the limits these days. Um, so, you know, everything from movies to songs to TV shows. Uh, there's so many streaming platforms these days with original content. Uh, each one trying to outdo the other. And how do you outdo the other? But by making yours even more crazy or, you know, pushing the envelope in terms of um, language, nudity, you know, whatever you can put in your shows in order to uh, really make them stand out. So uh, next we have the concept of, you know, don't deny yourself anything. Um, so basically whatever you want, figure out how to get it. Um, and having this understanding or this belief that the world needs to give you those things. So the Bible kind of summarizes um, these elements in, in this way. In First uh, John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So being worldly, then, is, is kind of choosing to engage in the things uh, that we just talked about, but not just dabbling. I mean, we're talking about, you know, making them a priority in your life. So how do you, how can you tell when something is a priority? Well, there's a pretty simple uh, litmus test, kind of a, a way to define that in your life. So if you ask yourself these three questions, it'll probably tell you uh, what your priorities are. So question number one, uh, what do you spend a lot of time thinking about? Question two, what do you spend a lot of time doing? And three, what do you spend a lot of money on? So if you, if you ask yourself those three questions, that'll pretty much help you figure out what is priority in your life. All right, let's move into the second section. Let's talk a little bit about this concept of um, being in the world, but not of it. 
So priorities play a big role in this section. So we'll we'll kind of keep moving in that direction. But first, uh, let's let's address this little mantra: be in the world, but not of the world. Uh, it's a pretty simple mantra. It came from the Bible, but it's not actually a verse in the Bible. You know, I can't point you to a verse that has that exact phrase in it. Uh, but instead, it's kind of a it's a phrase that's been boiled down uh, from a number of other verses that talk about, you know, being part of the world, but not getting too caught up in the things of the world. So, you know, there's, there's other verses that those come from. And if you want to kind of do a, a bit more research on that, um, head over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast, uh, find this episode, which is episode five. Um, and in the show notes, I've got uh, links to all these different uh, verses. So, uh, so basically, this mantra has two elements, right? Number one is be in the world. And number two is do not be of the world. So let's start with be in the world. Uh, on on some level, we don't have an option, right? We were born into the world, and so that's where we find ourselves. Um, but I think the phrase is getting at something a little bit deeper than just where we are physically. Um, the suggestion here is that we can probably be in the world without really being in the world. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe this is helpful. So I'm married, but I'm seeing someone on the side. Uh, I have this great career, but if I could quit tomorrow, I would. Uh, I'm grabbing coffee with a friend, but I'm actually paying more attention to the hockey game on the TV behind him. So these are examples that illustrate that you can be in a situation, but yet really not be there. Uh, And Transcend Human believes that be in the world means to actually be in the world. So uh, this this starts with a concerted effort to to be in the world and interact um, with the world versus hiding yourself away. Uh, so what does it look like to hide from or choose to not be in the world? Well, I think, you know, some visual examples of this could be what we consider hermits or extreme introverts. Um, it could be people with mental health Uh, problems, severe anxiety, agoraphobia, things like that. Um, Or it could be religious, you know, there are denominations that like to kind of cluster up into areas in the world and in the community um, and kind of create these pockets of like-minded people. And, you know, that could be looked at as, as choosing to not even be in the world because you're sectioning yourself off so much. Um, And then there's other, um, you know, societies that, that live that way. So you have, you know, things like monasteries, you've got cults and, um, you know, even the, the Amish culture is kind of that way where, you know, they're choosing to, to be in, in a group amongst themselves. However, they're not really part of the, the bigger society on some level. So, Uh, To summarize, being in the world simply means choosing to engage, choosing to live in the same world as everyone else. Okay, the next uh, phrase we have is, do not be of the world. Uh, So this is really where the whole priorities thing comes into play. We talked a lot about being in the world and what it means to be in the world or or choose not to be in the world. Um, But now, do not be of the world starts to bring in the whole priority thing. So if you were to say that you were of something, um, it would really mean that you were all about it or that it was something that was very important to you. 
uh, we don't really use the word of anymore. Like if, if I were to talk about somebody, I wouldn't say he or she was of something. Um, we would say more, he is all about it or she is all about that. Um, but it basically means the same thing. It means that you're really into that thing or it's, it's a priority to you. Um, it's somehow something that defines you. And so that's really the key to the second part is that concept of what defines you or what are your priorities in life. So when you're in the world, as we are told to be, um, you kind of have two options when it, when it comes down to how you interact with the world or how you prioritize the world, worldly things. Um, there's two different ways that you can engage, uh, in that. So the first is you can live the way the world suggests you live, right? So you engage in the, the list of the worldly things that we kind of talked through before, uh, those, you know, those are the things you just do on a normal basis. Um, some of these, some of these, uh, phrases might make sense to you. So what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Um, those kind of ideas, uh, make sense here because you're, you're basically just choosing to do whatever comes naturally in that environment, regardless of, of whether it's good for you, bad for you. It doesn't really matter. It's just, um, it's just fun. It's just what you want to do. So it's basically, it's choosing to prioritize and engage in the things that the world has to offer. Second, uh, you can choose to live differently from the world. Sound familiar? Uh, so this is really the base of what transhuman human is. It's, um, it's choosing to live a different way than what the world presents and what, what, the, what the world offers on a regular basis. So, so what does this look like? Well, it's choosing to live in the world, but only engaging in the things the world offers as long as they don't compete with your higher purposes. So it's obviously it's a very proactive way of living because you're choosing ahead of time the things that you will do and won't do um, and then living with that in mind. So obviously there's thousands of things that the world has to offer, right? And some of them are fine, some of them are great, some of them aren't so great, and some of them are really devastating to you. So, you know, the world offers things like sporting events. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with attending a sporting event. It's probably not going to compete with your um, higher values. And then there's things like heroin. The world offers you heroin, and that's something that could very much damage or sidetrack you from the higher purposes that you have set for yourself. So those are just two examples of things the world offers that you have to make a decision on. So to kind of go back over that, you have two options. If you're choosing to live in the world, uh, like we are told to do, then you've got your two options of either living the way the world suggests or uh, setting ahead of time a, a path for yourself, choosing to transcend human. Okay, uh, let's move into the next section and talk a little bit about the happiness trap. So, like I said, we talked a lot about happiness in the last episode, um, but I wanted to touch on it just a little bit more uh, because when you talk about worldliness, 
you're really talking about um, what a lot of people view as fun, right? So the minute you start talking about um, removing some of those things from your life or choosing not to do some of those things, uh, immediately people will be, will be like, oh my word, that sounds so boring. I, I can't believe that you you know, would choose to live that way or that you would deny yourself this or that. Um, aren't you allowed to have any fun? And on some level, that's a really good question, you know, because we talked about this in the last episode that happiness is a really big deal for people in the world. So in our last episode, we kind of talked through the fact that happiness isn't really the only word we should be focused on. So summarizing from that episode, uh, happiness is a very situational and often momentary emotional response to something good that happens in your life. So we all experience it from time to time, and that's great. Um, it's it's only an issue for us when we make it the end all, be all for our life. Um, something we constantly chase after, um, having to feel that way. Otherwise, you know, we think that we're missing out on something in life. And then we defined joy as as a little bit deeper level of happiness, and that it can last a lot longer. Um, it's it's based on some level of choice versus just an experience so it's one of those things where you um, you really understand a little bit more about yourself and about life and so you choose to live in joy versus uh, you know feeling mad or angry or sad all the time because of experiences that you go through so it's we talked about how uh, people can report joy even in really difficult situations in their life And then we also defined a word uh, called contentment, which is more of a state of being, a mindset that can can last even longer than joy. Uh, And it's the assumption that we're always working toward it. It's not a a, like level of enlightenment enlightenment that we reach and we're there and then we don't have to work on it anymore. Uh, It's definitely more of a journey than it is a destination. Uh, But as we become more and more aware of what the human condition is and the fact that there's freedom that we have to choose in the, in the controversy and, and rise above it, that we become more and more content. So then the happiness trap, we'll talk a little bit about that is, is at least three things. Um, So let's talk through these three. First, uh, the happiness trap is when we make happiness the goal. We start by saying things like, I deserve to be happy. I'm not happy enough of the time. There must be something wrong. Uh, I need to find more things to make me happy. Life isn't treating me fairly. Uh, My spouse isn't making me happy. Maybe we're not compatible. Uh, I only drink or use drugs to deal with all the crap that the world is throwing at me. Or how about this one? Doing things around the house doesn't make me happy, so I really don't want to do them. Interesting, right? So all of these statements fall into that category of, uh, you know, happiness is my goal. It's what I need in life. And if I don't find it, then I'm not going to be happy and I'm going to feel like I'm missing out on something. Second, we have the, the trap that we fall into when we think that the worldly things are the only things that can lead to true happiness. So this is hedonism at its core. We talked a little bit about that in the last episode. 
basically doing things in an attempt to be happy, like seeking out experiences uh, that will bring happiness, uh, regardless of whether they're good for us, bad for us, just a constant looking for happiness. So it's interesting, when I was uh, on my honeymoon with my wife in Jamaica, uh, we went to a all-inclusive resort, and I remember seeing advertisements there in Jamaica for a resort called Hedonism. There was like multiple uh, versions of it on the on the island, and uh, I, I at the time I don't know that I even understood what the word hedonism meant, but um, I did a little research on it, and here's a a snippet from their about page. So. Hedonism 2 is the world's most iconic adult playground, an all-inclusive paradise where you can turn your fantasies into reality. No matter what you call it, you will experience what you only read about in erotic novels and let loose. Be wicked for a week. Uh, people travel to Hedonism 2 from all corners of the world to live out their fantasies, to escape their inhibitions, to play. Life is too short. Do it now before later becomes never. Your pleasure is our passion. Sounds great, right? I mean, it's a, it's literally based on, uh, you know, that whole concept of do whatever feels good, um, and and that'll bring true happiness. Of course, we know that's not true. Um, you know, when you give in to your base needs and desires on a regular basis, at some point, you realize how. Uh, how empty it is, and how much damage it can bring to your life in many ways. And finally, um, it's important to understand that the happiness trap is a cyclical trap. So, so here's how that works. You do something that you think should lead to happiness. Then it doesn't, so you do more of that thing. When that doesn't work, you do even more of that thing. Or you find something new to take its place. And this is the trap that a lot of people find themselves in in life when there are searches for happiness. You start something looking for happiness, it doesn't bring it, and so you either try more of that thing or you find another thing to just one-up the thing that you started before. So the best example of this um, is, a, is the belief that money leads to happiness, right? It's, it's really funny because we've all heard the phrase, money does not lead to happiness, and we all kind of nod our heads in agreement. You know, we understand that that's true. Uh, and yet we turn around and we jump right back into the same cycle because on some level we don't believe it, or we, at least we trick ourselves into thinking that it won't be true for us. So yeah, yeah, you know, for most people, money doesn't lead to happiness. But for me, I think if I figured it out, I could probably make it work for me. And so we fall into that cycle. And I think it's one of the most dangerous cycles that we experience in life. And of course, there are many, many more. But I just I think that the whole concept of working to make more money in order to be happy is just a really good example of the happiness trap. So so let's move into the final section, how to transcend human while in the world. So let's get really practical now that we've talked about what it means to be in the world and not to be of the world. Uh, let's, let's get down into some of the details of what that means. 
So we know that uh, we have decided to be in the world, right? We're, we're not sectioning ourselves off, hiding, uh, being overly introverted in order to stay away from the world. We, you know, we're going to be there. We're going to interact with the world. And we've decided to not be of the world. But what does that mean? Well, that's the million dollar question. So since this episode is more about worldliness and happiness, uh, we'll kind of stick to those things for now. Um, There's obviously a much larger conversation about what it means to transcend human overall, but we'll just kind of focus it down to uh, the whole concept of worldliness and how to transcend human in that area. So transcend human suggests, number one, that you know yourself. So do the brain damage necessary to figure out what it is that you believe. Set boundaries ahead of time and then live based on those boundaries. So, you know, ask yourself questions like, what am I okay doing? Or what are some things that I'm just not going to do? Next, write it down. So sometimes the best way to understand something or remember something is by putting it down on paper. So you can take those, those lists that you come up with, uh, the things that you're okay with doing or the things that you won't do, your, your kind of mantra for life, what, whatever it is, take it, write it down, uh, maybe tape it to your bathroom window, maybe put it on the, the dashboard of your car, maybe keep a copy in your purse or wallet, and just use those things uh, as a constant reminder to help you make good decisions moving forward. Number three, share it. If comfortable, share it with another person. Now this is a really dangerous thing. Uh, It's it's what we call an accountability partner. And uh, you know, the relationship you have with an accountability partner is one thing. Uh, If you were just going to share all of your personal information with a random person, we would call that TMI or too much information. Uh, given the person that you're talking to. Um, but really, you know, this this whole concept of an accountability partner is something that uh, can be really helpful. And we'll talk more about this at a later date. We may even do an entire episode on um, what it means to uh, have an accountability partner and to really help, you know, have two people help each other in life and, and help each other level up in, in different areas of their life. But like I said, it is dangerous because when you write down some of those things, uh, things that you'll choose to do or not do, uh, it can get kind of personal. And, you know, because some of it's based on past history, some, some of it's based on things that, that you've done that you're not proud of, or things that you're afraid that you might fall into or do. And so it's just not the easiest thing to talk about. So... A great concept, but again, be very careful in that area. And then number four, be realistic. So understand that the happiness trap is there. It's a very real thing and uh, respond accordingly. So when you're happy, be happy. Enjoy the fact that you're in a good place for the moment. The rest of the time, work toward joy. Have that understanding that that every moment that we get to live on the face of this earth is an amazing thing. And so there's joy in that. And then finally, in all things, seek to be content. So number one, know yourself. Number two, write it down. Number three, share it. 
and then number four, be realistic. So let's land the plane. Why is any of this important, right? Why, why is this understanding of worldliness and the, the concept of the happiness trap, why is it important to me? Well, first of all, it's why we're here, right? When we transcend human, we are engaging our true purpose for being on earth. And number two, it impacts others. So, you know, the first reason can be selfish on some level. So understand that while you're working on yourself, others are watching and others are being impacted by the decisions that you're making. Um, so that's, that's really why it's important to understand these things. Uh, first of all, for you, but then also because it, it has a huge impact on others, on the people around you, as, as they see you choose joy and choose to be content. When they watch you, you know, make positive decisions because you've really thought about it ahead of time, um, you're, you're basically modeling transcend human to other people. And they see that and they, they see it and they wonder, right? They wonder what is it that makes that person choose to live that way. And so it's a huge responsibility we have, um, when we make these decisions and, and how it impacts other people. All right. You good? All right. That was, that was a long episode. I apologize. We'll try to keep more of the episodes closer to, uh, you know, 30 minutes, but we're already up to about 45. Um, so it was a long episode. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for leaning in and sticking it out. Um, next time we're going to talk about this interesting concept of what it means to be a lifelong learner, uh, and why learning is transcendent. So, All right, until then, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, There's nothing better than word of mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, Thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.